When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Smartcast Season 6, Episode 24. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And we're also joined by Harmony Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Well, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start off with some fact check. Um, last week I was talking about uh, the uh, the older lady, older person, older woman on uh, Downton Abbey, who is the mother of the guy who voices Corvo. Um, jump in and tell me that so I don't have to be... Um, oh, I can look down. Dan, Dan Stevens, I think, right? Is that his name? Look all the notes of Jonathan, but you have to scroll past all the notes. <laughs> Dan Stevens, yes. Hey, Dan we're Stevens doing, is... This is a jumbo-sized episode we're doing today. we got three okay, things jum- to talk about. Jumbo-sized. All right. Yeah, it's true. That's, oh, yeah, I forgot about so- Ahsoka, too. Penelope Wilton plays Isabel Crawley, his mother. On She's the other... Not the, I think you mentioned... Um, oh, I'm thinking of the Harry Potter name now. Um, McGonagall or whatever her name was, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he plays, he plays, uh, or she plays uh, Crowley's mother, or Mrs. Crowley. Uh, but she also plays Sean's mom in Sean of the Dead. So that's that's how I know her. That's pretty much all the fact check we had today. All right, we'll throw over to, to the headlines and we'll start off with Jaime Lopez Jr. with some very short news. Yeah, this is a, a strange one that it came out, like, uh, what, like a day before the actual stuff occurred, maybe? Oh, I guess, I guess to be fair, it's like two days before. Um, and then it's the day of where we're recording a, a day later than, than usual. So uh, part of the the preview going into Star Trek Day 2023 was uh, the fact that Star Trek is getting the very short tricks. So in um, the old school animated TOS series style, uh, but new episodes of stuff. And uh, although this... Verge article says that uh, these are decidedly like uh, non-canon. Uh, I watched the the one today. And I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it canon. I believe this actually happened. Um, <laughs> right up to the last scene. Right, right up through everything. You know, there's there's all sorts of like timey wimey spatial anomaly multiverse. Like, there's all sorts of stuff. I I believe that an episode, uh, all what like three and a half to four minutes of it is uh, yeah. is canon. Yeah, it was funny. It was really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was a parody at first when you when you first posted it and I watched it. It was, you know, because it's pretty, uh, 
Yeah, it seems like satire there. of Star Trek, not actually authorized Star Trek. Yeah, mm-hmm. Star Trek mm-hmm. Me Too, it should have been called or something, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that was the name of the episode. The Verge article here has uh, what appears to be Neelix in animated uh, form. Uh, like, again, not Lower Decks animated, but the old school uh, original series, Star Trek animated series style. So uh, even the the intro, I don't know if you uh, it, it paid attention and, and or cranked up your audio. Um, you know, it's animated for the new the new logo, little swoosh, swoopy stuff that they do with the ship to, to celebrate for Paramount+. Plus done in the uh the animation old school animation style but the audio mm-hmm. seemed to be mono and it was kind of janky too like you know this is the best yeah. that they could record or maybe you were listening from like the best that vhs could handle kind of thing so i appreciated that attention to detail yeah i thought it was charlie day at first doing the uh the dialogue but it uh, of kirk right but it sounded very similar to him but it wasn't i don't think yeah i didn't look at the credits it sounded like ethan Peck doing it, Spock. It for was sure. Peck. I did. I, I did see that. I did see his name for sure. But yeah, I don't think it was. Um, uh, what's the young uh, Paul Wesley, the the guy who does it, uh, the the Kirk for Strange New Worlds. I don't think that was him doing the Kirk. It sounded like somebody very different. But yeah, hmm. yeah, interesting. Yep. Yeah, it was funny. It was. Uh, did you guys watch the the actual Star Trek Day video that they put out this morning? No, not yet. With Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because they, you know, we obviously things are different right now. There's the writers' strike. There's the actors' strike, uh, and you know, so there's not a lot of willingness to participate with large corporations uh, that produce film and television. So it makes sense. But this looked like it was recorded well in advance. But you know, remember a few years ago when they like had like an outdoor event and they brought in, they had like an orchestra playing and they had like a red carpet. And this was like super low key. It was like 20 minutes long. They talked a little bit. There's Jerry O'Connell was the host. He comes out and he's sort of, you know, Hey, how are you doing? I'm Jeremy, Jerry O'Connell. And I'm talking about Star Trek. And he talks about the history of, of, uh, the animated Star Trek. And then he talks a little bit about, uh, they bring in, uh, Tony Newsom and, uh, Eugene Cardero come on from lower decks and they do some of the weird moments in Trek history. And hmm. then they do like a retrospective on, yeah, the animation, they do a retrospective on like, uh, five years or six years, I guess, of, of, uh, the new Trek era and yeah. And then they pretty much wrap it up. It's, you know, they tease the short, the very short tracks. It's, there's not a lot of there, there. It was just fine. But, and you know, obviously it's nice to celebrate Star Trek. Obviously we're big Star Trek fans, but it, it was not very substantive. And really there was only like three people in it. And I'm guessing they recorded their parts a long time before this whole kerfuffle, because I don't imagine that they would cross a picket line to make this kind of thing. So yeah, right. And I think last year was a full day event, right? Like, um, well, yeah, they were doing like, like live streaming and all this stuff. Like, I, I was surprised. Uh, I, I took a look this morning to sort of see what was on Star Trek.com. I know it was going to be on Paramount as well, but it's literally, it's like a 22 minute pre recorded thing. That's, that's, that's this total sum of it. And there's no, no news other than that, like they, they reiterated that they're doing the Section 31 movie, which we already knew about. They, he, he mentions that they're doing the, uh, the Starfleet Academy show is coming, but like we knew that. So there was no news. Uh, and as Jaime pointed out, they announced the very short tracks a couple days ago, which is weird. So yeah, it was really kind of not much to do about nothing. Right. Hmm. Yeah. The, the other thing that you can see in the, uh, the YouTube comments 
it's like this celebration of like 50 years of animation and then everybody's like yeah but what about Trek prodigy you didn't even mention it here uh much yeah. less tell us yeah. what's gonna happen with season not two. a single clip not a single reference like it's yeah. just gone yeah so they they really in many respects it feels like they bungled this one like it would have been better to not do this and just pretend oh no uh, negotiations ongoing it would not be proper for us to do or just like hand wave something rather than than giving us uh this because you know i enjoyed the the clips the clips are like pretty dang funny and the the quizzing people on the street of like yeah. can, you, can you name a star trek captain was really kind of cool um, yeah, they had a drag performer go out and do like Streets of New York and do the, yeah, what do you really know about Star Trek? Yeah, hmm. average people on the street. Because like the, this is one of the things that I keep bringing up that like, you know, we're fully invested in this, you know, multi-decade franchise. And, and certainly there are many other people, but the the modern era of like, there's a Trek for everyone um, being a little different than like Trek is for everyone. Uh, if you catch my drift that like... You know, there may be some shows that somebody may not like, but that's okay because there's another show that you might like as well. You don't have to wait, you know, several years before you get another uh, another crack at liking something. So I definitely appreciated the fact that, like, you can go out to a major metropolitan area like New York and say, hey, just name a captain. And people are like, uh, uh, Picard? <laughs> yes, 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 that's one of them. <laughs> you know? So, uh when when stuff comes out on you know uh, Paramount Plus or wherever you 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 take in your your new Trek, keep that in mind that like not everybody's like well wait a minute hold on you know Ensign so and so in episode two thirty five <laughs> in this series from from twenty years ago said that this event happened in this date it's like dude come on like just give him a little bit of a break on that you know uh, just. You're trying to, to ride a fine line of like being appropriate for the longtime fans, but then also not being unapproachable for casual viewers. Yeah. The yeah. part the only part of it that really kind of struck me was at one point O'Connell sort of offhandedly mentions that there are now more than eight hundred and fifty episodes across all the different Star Trek series, plus thirteen feature films. That's that's crazy. That's a lot. It's a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. Well they got yeah. to catch up to Doctor Who, right? So <laughs> I don't know. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what the the yeah. I guess who who is probably in more consistent uh, production, right? So, well, I think yeah, fifty years, pretty much nonstop. I think it stopped for like ten years or something, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I, I gotta say though, on the the the, the capper on the Star Trek days, I'm glad I got my T-shirt last year because I don't know if there would be any this year. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. Well, speaking of Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Picard arrived this week on Blu-ray and DVD for those people who like to have the physical collection. And uh, according to the nice folks here at TrekCore, uh, they actually included accidentally, I'm hoping, the folks at uh, Paramount, the wrong scene in one of the animated VFX scenes. Uh, the 10-second long error on disc three uh, 206 on the episode called The Last Generation. And uh, they actually uh, will have the link in our show notes. You can take a look, side by side comparison of what it's supposed to look like versus what it does look like. And it's a pretty dramatically different scene when you see them side by side. But didn't it say on the clip that it, one was US and one was UK? Like, or is that. Um, there, was, there was like a blue, like a little blue. Um, 
Logan. An undisclosed location in Europe is how I mentally thought of it. I would have to find okay. the article because I did actually see people talking about this online while the series was occurring. That like, oh, it's kind of weird that in Europe we see something slightly different than in the United States. Hmm. Uh, for it to get all the way to the, would you say, Blu-ray disc uh, production? Um, yeah, that's. I mean, never, never attribute to. Uh, to incompetence, but you can attribute to greed where there's going to be like a, a director's cut edition <laughs> now with 10 oh. seconds different. No, they're going to sound both. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Well, I mean, I think that, that from my experience in production, that's like a last minute change that didn't make it to the, to the other copy that went out for distribution. But it's funny though, like, like how long does it take to ship a digital copy of something via the wire? I guess, unless they don't do it that way. You know, they put it in a Dropbox, a secure Dropbox I or something like that. I would imagine that's how it's done now. Like, everything's just, it's secure yeah. digital delivery, right? But you know what I mean? Like, you, you and I both work in production, and, mm -hmm. and you know, if, you, if you're doing multiple languages and multiple whatevers, one of, it's like somebody's job to go, hey, hang on a second, the European edition didn't get that last-minute change, you know, or... What have yeah, you, right? it sounds like that's it's, what, that's, it sounds like it's the American yeah. version that that didn't get their one, but uh, yeah, it it basically seems like what they're what they're uh, presupposing here at TrekCore is that yeah, the wrong version just got uploaded to the production facility that makes the the home videos, and so that's how they ended up with the wrong version, and and now they're stuck. They've mass produced it. Yep, it's one for the books. Oops. Yeah, this is one where uh, I don't know what sort of you know version control system they use for communicating these sorts of things, but it certainly feels like the you know Star Trek Picard season three final 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 two thousand twenty three aug thirty eleven fifty nine pm like model rather than like hey here is like the tag version of like yeah. this is what actually aired on Paramount Plus or yeah. this is what should air um and then have that just be the source of truth for everything versus like well we sure hope the intern copied and pasted the right thing and like you said dropbox yeah. or or you know uh made a a disc and and shepherd it over somewhere so that way they could uh, send it across wherever they needed to yeah yeah make sure you get the the file labeled new new newer final 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 copy right <laughs> <laughs> That's always the secret. It's just that extra final. Yeah. That makes it newer than new, right? <laughs> um, so later this episode, we'll be talking about uh, Star Trek Ahsoka. Uh, and we'll talk when we get into the spoilers about all the goodness that happened in this episode. But I'll put a, just a little bit of a warning on here. I don't think we'll spoil it, but I'm just going to say that uh, we did get news this week that Ahsoka... Part 5, which is coming out uh, next Tuesday, is going to be not only shown on Disney+, Plus as you would, so that's the 12th of September for those scoring. Uh, it's not only going to be on TV, it's coming to movie theaters, special movie theaters mm. across, uh, it looks like America. I looked, I didn't see any Canadian showings of this. It is playing in Seattle, at the AMC in Seattle, uh, Jaime. Uh, the select theaters are showing it, but they are showing this as the sort of mid-season fan celebration. And there has been a little bit of a buzz out there that uh, some people who have theoretically are in the know. You can take that with a grain of salt. It's the internet. But have said that this is, you know, a milestone episode, something very 
pivotal here. Um, and if you watch the last scene of Ahsoka, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, you'll understand why that has the potential to be so. But uh, yeah, it's, it's always a sign that things are going to get big when they decide to break these things out and drop them into the theater at the same time. I must admit, I, I found myself watching this week's episode thinking, damn, I wish I was watching this in a theater. Really? Hmm. It just had... You know, like there was, there was, you know, lightsaber duels and space battles and it just, it felt big. And I don't feel like, I felt like this is the first time I felt like my TV wasn't doing it justice. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Hi, Jaime, is it worthwhile? Are you, are you going to, are you going to step out and see it in the theater? Apparently it says wait list. So on Tuesday, the 12th, well, not too far away, the Alderwood Mall, um, I don't, man, I really don't see. I kind of want to know what's in there because it, <laughs> if you're going to do this sort of weird thing that it's not the, the, there's natural places where you would do this in the story normally, right? Like the premiere. Mm -hmm. Okay. Get it. Get people all hyped about it. The finale. Holy smokes. It's been building up to this, right? People are going to pew, pew, pew and punch each other in the face and maybe cry and learn something about humanity. Like all of that stuff. Doing it right here like smack dab in the middle is really mm -hmm. weird unless this is the holy smokes guess what yeah. happens here spoiler event happens um that, that's the only thing i could think of and that would maybe uh push me towards uh joining the wait list yeah which, well, which let me see clearly what? clearly rosario dawson is announcing her her candidacy for, for president and with aoc as a running <laughs> mate <laughs> well, it's, I, I don't even know if it, they're still seeing each other, but she was dating uh, Booker, right? She was dating Cory Booker, the uh, the politician from New Jersey. So you never know. Oh, really? Yep. You never know. Yep. Could be. All right. Uh, well, and speaking of the Disney Plus, the uh, once again the the strike is being blamed for more shuffles in the calendar, which is just uh, a way of saying that the studios are trying to spread things out a little bit so that they have new stuff to offer and keep people subscribed to their channels. So, you know, we were a little up in the air as to when we were going to be getting some of the Disney Plus, Marvel, you know, future Star Wars content, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they are now, uh, they announced this week that they are going to bump a few of their shows around. So what if the next season of what if... Uh, Echo, the spinoff from the the Hawkeye series, uh, mm. and Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which has now been renamed Agatha Darkhold Diaries, uh, are among the shows that have now been moved as a result of uh, all of this stuff. So, uh, so bear with me here. Let's see. Um, it says, so Loki, we know we're getting. That's happening for sure. That's coming on October the 6th. Second season of What If is now debuting sometime around Christmas, it says, um, which, you know, again, take that with a grain of salt. Echo, which was supposed to be coming on November 29th, is now moving to January. So we'll do that in January 2024, so a couple months. And uh, let's see what else we got here. X-Men 97, sorry, Jaime, uh, has also been bumped. Uh, it was originally planned for this fall, and now it says early 2024, so... That's a nice nebulous way to say sometime between now and April. And Agatha, the, the One Division spinoff, uh, was supposed to be winter 2023, is now back to early fall 2024. So that is a hike down the road. That's been kicked by almost a year. Uh, Ironheart, which is a spinoff from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, was, again, scheduled to drop this fall originally. And now it is completely off the schedule. So 
hopefully 2024 at some point. And the Daredevil series Born Again, uh, which was supposed to be spring 2024, um, is unclear where that's going to end up because uh, they had to pause due to the strike. So, so the Marvel Disney Plus stuff is, uh, yes, I think they're spreading things out a little bit so that hopefully they can get a little bit more... Uh, time in and i gotta be honest i don't mind it like i felt like we're, i think the way they're doing it now where it's basically like give us you know a six issue or six issue six episode run and then give us a couple of weeks or a month off and then give us another you know star wars mixing some star wars mixing some disney mixing some animation I don't need to be like, you know, six shows at once and I don't need, you know, 10 new Marvel shows a year, you know, four Marvel shows and four Star Wars shows is tons, tons of content. You know, you could even cut that down a little bit more, but I guess I get what they're going for, which is, you know, keep giving them the food pellets and, you know, they'll keep hitting the buttons. Right. (laughs) You mentioned one division. Does that mean that um, Harry Styles is going to come back or what? (laughs) Um, well, the, the one thing that's not mentioned <laughs> on here is the, is the vision series, right? They mentioned that they're going to do the Paul hmm. Bettany vision series. So I imagine we're probably looking at 2025 by the time one comes around. So from when one division came out and we got introduced to the sort of reconstituted rebuilt version of the, the vision, the white vision, uh, hmm. this is going to be like four years afterwards. We're starting to get into movie timetables here. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's what it is. It's it's funny that the the writer strike is affecting a lot of things, and obviously, all the late night shows have all been on showing interviews from like two, three years ago, which is really mm. strange to go and back and watch some of these up and coming actors who are you know starring in their first roles, and it's like from two years ago, so they're no longer up and coming. But today or two days ago, uh, Jimmy Fallon was in England. Mm for hosting a big debut for the Rolling Stones. You may have heard of them. There's some sort of rock band or something. Hmm. But yeah, just interesting. That I guess they don't need to write. Like, who wrote the questions is what I want to know. Yeah. Uh, have, <laughs> have you heard their podcast, the, the Hosts podcast on Spotify? Uh, the Hosts? Called, yeah. So uh, the five current uh, late night hosts. So this oh, would yeah? be uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, Stephen yeah. Colbert, John Oliver, and Seth Meyers are doing a, a short-term podcast on Spotify called Strike Force 5. And it's the <laughs> five of them. Uh, they do it two days a week. And it's basically like an hour, hour and 10-minute uh, podcast where the five of them get together. They take turns being the host, and they ask each other questions, and they riff and they joke it's they've only done i think three or four of them but they're they're pretty funny i must admit i'm enjoying them i gotta watch one of those it's pretty sounds pretty cool yeah cool right over to you i mean yeah um if you remember this movie called elemental came out hmm. um, i don't know that it really uh sort of knocked everybody's socks off in terms of box office and etc i'm sure it's a fine film but it is coming to disney plus on september 13th which if I'm being honest, I feel like it, that's probably where it maybe should have been. Like the the premise felt uh, somewhat derivative of other things, and the style seemed pretty like some other things that they've put out. Where this didn't feel like it needed to be in theaters. Um, again, no, no no disservice to the folks who worked really hard on this. I just feel like it needed that that extra pass of like you know 
how is this the next Wally or the next um, Incredibles or the next or even Cars or something like just something that would get people really jazzed about this? Yeah, it actually. So I saw that it's been. I think it's still in the theaters here, right? Yeah, because it just came out recently, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you know, so the article here says 200 million budget, 480 box office run. If you do the normal, you know, two to three X math to accommodate for marketing, it like probably didn't lose money, but it wasn't arguably worth the $200 million budget, right? Like, mm. like this, that's one of the sort of issues with some of the modern movies of like, you know, it, you're not going to spend 20 mil and then holy smokes, it made a hundred. It's like, well, we spent 150 to 200 million. It better make a billion. Otherwise we're going to be rethinking this in the future that, uh, that sort of mid, uh, you know, mid major to use a college basketball reference, that sort of middle ground area of uh, movies is sort of increasingly going away where you're either a, a huge box office, you know, blockbuster or you're like tiny little indie film. Yeah. Hmm. I must, uh, I must admit, I, I, I will probably watch this at some point. I like Pixar's movies and I, they, your mileage may vary, but they make good movies. I don't care who you like. I won't, I just don't think I've ever seen a bad one. I'm now, I must admit that I haven't watched a handful of them, but I think they make great movies. Um, but I'll be honest, what I saw that this was coming, I was more excited to hear. Cause if you'll recall, we talked about it at the time, they tacked a short on to elemental when it came out in the theaters, which was the, uh, Carl's date, right? It was the last mm -hmm. short, uh, that they did from the characters from up. With uh, Carl Fredrickson, uh, Carl Fredrickson, Ed Asner's character, and Doug the dog, and they loved this one little short, and it was the last thing he recorded before Ed Asner passed away, and so they decided to put it out in the theaters as a short in front of Elemental. It's coming the same day to Disney Plus on September thirteenth, so I'm most excited to watch that just because I think that was such a great character. I really enjoyed the up. Uh, shorts that they did before Doug days and uh, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that one out on next week. Hmm. Cool. Back to you, Jaime. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of uh, blocks and busting them, uh, you're going to love this point here. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll make more sense. Here's when the wind up, folks. So here it is winding up. Oh, oh. So this new Apple TV plus, TV series. Apparently it's going to be 10 episodes premiering on November 17th is called Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And if you're like me, when you heard that, you're like, uh-huh, what is that? And then you go to this article here. So granted, we are in a podcast as an audio medium. Uh, you're not going to have the same surprise that I did. of like, oh, it's Godzilla. <laughs> Why did you not put Godzilla in the title? It feels like that would have been... Yeah, uh, missed opportunity. You know, yeah, you know, uh, sure, whatever. Okay, fine. So uh, this apparently takes place um, in the sort of modern Godzilla, King Kong uh, universe, cinematic universe. Uh, apparently just a little bit after the... Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, King of the Monsters movie, but apparently before the Godzilla versus King Kong movie. So it's kind of an in-betweener. It uh, looks, looks kind of interesting. Of Like, what do you do with this creature that is like a hurricane and volcano and earthquake have become, you know, semi-sentient? And the humanity of, of, of dealing with that in the sorts of, from the teaser, like what sorts of ethical boundaries are you willing to cross to prevent that sort of chaos from taking over your earth 
Do you, uh, do you gents see the, uh, the trailer here? No, I have not, but I must admit you, you've sold me. I want to see this now. It, it seems, <laughs> uh, it seems interesting. And, you know, apparently this is leading into the, the next movie in the franchise, which I didn't realize already had a name, uh, Godzilla X or cross King Kong, the new empire. Hmm. Slated to be released in April of 2024, but who really knows? Strike, etc. We'll probably keep saying that for a while until uh, until things change. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at that part of the show where we talk about something Star Trek. Yes, we have something Star Trek this today. So stop throwing things at your phone. Um, we have two things actually for you. We have the two uh, two episode premiere season four of Star Trek Lower Decks. So first up is season four episode one, Tuvix. Not spelt like the Voyager episode, but T-W-O-V-I-X, Tuvix. So off we go. What's your elevator pitch? <laughs> uh, I had uh, all aboard the USS Voyager for fun with biointegration, macroviruses, killer clowns, and other Delta Quadrant-worthy hijinks. But don't worry, it's mm. nothing a little cheese can't fix. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, I had Tuvix colon resurrections. <laughs> yeah one mine is you killed kenny you bastards <laughs> all right yeah. this um, this was so, fun this was fun this was a lot of fun yeah. a lot this of was... deep cuts it's funny um brad says at one point deep cut and he was right i had to go look those things up oh anyway. uh, man again i've i've seen every episode of of every truck series but uh even i was like fishing i was like i know that's a thing i know that's a thing i have to look it up um some yeah, of them were, yeah. were more obvious than others but oh my god there was like I, I i just stopped at a certain point on the easter egg writing down i was just like i everything everything was an easter egg everything everything they did well, the voyager was an easter egg big giant yeah. one right in front of you mm-hmm. yeah no, this was uh, as much fun uh, and maybe even more fun than they had with Deep Space Nine last season. This was a blast. Like, this was so... Because I think among Trek fans, I think we've all acknowledged that there was some pretty weird stuff happening on Voyager. As It's, it's funny because as the series went on in Deep Space Nine, I think it got better and better. And I feel like as Star Trek Voyager went on, it got weirder and weirder. It's... I mean, for me, it was kind of an interesting episode because you could sort of see it as like eviscerating some parts of Voyager. Like um, one of the quotes, I think, was Freeman of like Janeway straight up murdered Tuvix, <laughs> right? Just like <laughs> establishing that line. And yet, and yet there's so much, I mean, it's like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel just to just to use uh, <laughs> things that get kind of funny if you, if you saw the very short trek. Um, yeah. It's like shooting fish in a barrel in terms of like, choosing things that are not Easter eggs from this episode. Like there were just so many things that I noticed on the first pass. And I guarantee that oh, yeah. there's probably all sorts of stuff in the background. I didn't even see cause my eyes were watching the main characters. Right. So there's like a lot of love and dedication, uh, I think put in it. So for folks who are like, Hey, like <laughs> a statement, like, you know, in the discussion of was it murder or not? Like, on the surface, they said, like, yeah, it was. But then even the resolution of this plot gets really weird, where it's like, well, let's dig a little <laughs> deeper beyond the superficial and say, actually, I think they showed a lot of love for Voyager in this uh, this episode. I agree. I, I I think you're right, Jaime. I, so the episode was written by Mike McMahon, who's the, the showrunner and, and creator of, of Lower Decks. And 
you know, he loves Star Trek. Like he's a big Star Trek fan. This is, you know, obviously one of the, the key writers for Rick and Morty. He's he's got a really good CV. But he loves this stuff. And yeah, he is definitely taking the piss a bit on this show. But he is also like I can't believe they did this. How awesome is this? And there's a lot of love. And he does, you know, he uses the avatars, right? He uses Rutherford and he uses Boimler as these avatars of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's, you know, and then introduces, you know, oh my God, the stuff, the Taktaki and macro viruses trying to stab them in the face. And, oh, there's just so many weird things in there. But again, you can tell that he's not like, isn't this weird and stupid? He's like, isn't this weird and awesome? What were the Taktakian viruses from? I don't remember that episode. Yeah, it was. There was an episode where basically these these viruses got out of control and they ended up becoming like oversized, basically. So they're supposed to be like you know the size of a virus, and they end up being like huge, and they end up attacking the crew. And they basically have these like uh, spikes that come out of the bottom of them, trying like stab the crew in the face and stuff. It's it's pretty messed up. It's a pretty weird episode. But uh, yeah, I mean, oh God, we'll get into the Easter egg hunt. So, you know, obviously we talked about the Neelix cheese. That was from a season one or season two episode, um, which that happened. It got, you know, basically mixed in with the the um, biomechanical goo in the uh, inside the ship. And there was the, the macro viruses, the lizards, where the one where uh, Tom Paris devolves into the lizard. Uh, they had the, like the robot versions of those lizards. Uh the part with the where the holodeck characters come out so they had uh, chaotica of course from the great captain proton episodes that they did uh the the creepy clown that was like season two the creepy clown character which i think was michael mckean from laverne and shirley and breaking bad or not breaking right. bad, um, better call saul uh michael sullivan the like romantic uh, character from with janeway from the where she makes program to be his boyfriend and so he's running around declaring his love for the female characters on this that was so funny mm-hmm. um god there was just there was so much there was so so much stuff packed in here it was so funny yeah the the bartender hologram that you're talking about was the one that i wrote down for my my quote but if you recall when uh, Janeway goes to that holodeck program like he has a wife and eventually Janeway's like you know getting a little lovey-dovey them and is like computer delete the wife so in this <laughs> one the call back to that one is like I miss really? my wife oh yeah 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 true <laughs> yeah yeah the other easter egg you didn't call it was Harry Kim's uniform on the on the deck of the bridge right well, yeah, because at one point he says that's like an authentic worn uniform from the forever, forever ensign. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, I mean, again, there was so many, like, they, at one point they have a, one of the displays. You can see, like, Neelix's weird cooking outfit. You can see they've got a seven of nine, including her her uh, recharging station at one point falls over on top of one of them. Like, oh, you can't throw a rock for, for hitting it. But... Strangely enough, the show even pushes beyond that because the, the premise is, of course, that uh, uh, Chief Engineer Billups and Dr. Tana end up getting fused together just like Tuvix with with uh, Neelix and, and Tuvok on Voyager. And then there's this running gag that, Jaime, you mentioned that there's this whole, like, uh, Janeway in, in the end basically straight up murders Tuvix and turns them back into the two individuals. 
And of course, she looks that up and finds out that that's what's happening. And so does to Ellipse, the, the merged character. And yeah. and then, of course, it, it turns into this, like, you know, coup where they're starting to put them all together. And so we end up with, you know, Captain Dr. Friegelman, Swale Swalens, who is Steve Stevens and Matt the Whale combined. Uh, it just it just got even more bonkers like it's like they were like oh yeah voyager watch this like it was just it was yeah. so funny i was laughing out loud i just it's so over the top and hilarious yeah the the quote really early on in the episode when uh, dr taana and billups get merged together into to ellipse was i love being alive <laughs> before <laughs> before everyone looked up with the result <laughs> <laughs> how Voyager dealt with this. And it's it's kind of hilarious, too, because the I think the writers did a real good solid. Um, like, even if they say, well, Janeway straight up murdered Tuvix, they also came back on the Cerritos and said, we're not stuck in the Delta Quadrant. We have, like, another option. Yeah. But to Ellipse had, like, already leapt forward and said, well, I'm just going to merge the entire crew into a bunch of hybrids. So that yeah. way, you know, we'll take over kind of thing. And the, the fact that, it, that they escalate to that, that to the point where they get turned into like a merged meatball of people was uh oh, chef's kiss. That was glorious. Yeah. The, um, the ensign Mariner of the Vulcan crew, uh, Talin, I think the Talin. Yeah. 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 Yep. Had decided to, uh, to, you know, resolve the situation, her own, you know, Mariner esque way. And it ended up with that, that blob that, Tendi had said, like, well, I wasn't okay with murdering, like, the hybrids before, but, like, this thing is, like, not sentient, so it's totally okay. <laughs> they, they kind of found, like, their own little funny loophole to get out of the Tubic situation. Yeah, I'm here to hydrate, not debate the ano anomalies agency. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she orders, a, a, a room-temperature water, room-temperature yeah, tap water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're really playing into her stereotypes, too. That's pretty good. Yeah, and this one was, again, just, oh, my God, the quotes. Uh, you know, Ransom, uh, it's Voyager. S blank blank T got freaky. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mariner, she knows Janeway straight up murdered Tuvix, right? Um, yeah. And one of my favorites that was not part of the main episode, but when Ransom is there, and he, when Boimler fails to stop the macrovirus from getting out, and he goes... Oh, Shaka when the wells fall, uh, wells fell, Anson, uh, Ensign. And it's like the whole joke about, uh, you know, because they have their, their, um, oh, what's the race of, uh, their security officer? I don't know, but it's Kayshawn is the name of the officer. Yeah. Uh, Tamarian. Yeah, yeah. Tamarian is the, Tamarian, yeah, that's it. Tamarian. Yeah. Yeah, and he says, yeah. Sokath, his eyes uncovered. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, that was so funny. And then, and then they do the fist bump. He's like, I listen. Um, when when uh, Steve Stevens and, and uh, Matt the Whale are merged, I want a fish. Like, that was just, you know, <laughs> like, okay. It's not my best work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not my best work. Um, you, can, you combined all of them into one big Tuvixie meatball? <laughs> Tendy. <laughs> and when they do finally get out of it and... Uh, Boimler says to Mariner, shouldn't you be drunk right now with your fist in the air chanting? Oh, it's so good. So good. I'm glad they did a Voyager episode. I hope they I hope they take the time to do one of these for all of them. Although they it, we'll, we'll talk about the second episode in a minute. They did get a little Captain Archery kind of stuff in there for the second episode. So uh, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't yeah. full on, yeah. but it was, it was pretty funny. Um, the, the thing we skipped over was the big question, uh, which is, so this episode ends with this weird uh, sort of coda of uh, 
these Klingons are on their ship. They encounter this other weird ship in space. It powers up, it takes down their shields, and it kills them all. Uh, so my yep. question was, what killed them? What is that? Isn't that Boba Fett's ship? Yeah, it felt like it, didn't it? <laughs> it does have a Slave One-esque uh, sort of uh, comes in yeah, horizontally and then raises up into uh, portrait mode. Yeah. My only thought was Badgie. Badgie? Oh, Badgie. Yeah, right. yeah. Hang, hang on to that that thought for the, the second episode here, because I did have my big question for this episode at the time was like, who is or are the mysterious big bad this season? Uh, All right. We'll, we'll table that for our episode two conversation. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I feel like may have been the reason, like, so I, I'm not aware of any uh, outside of universe uh, stuff that occurred as to why we got a double episode premiere this week instead of a single episode. Uh, in my head canon, I say, oh, is it because sort of the, the, the B plot is the, uh, you know, the four main lower deckers, uh, most of them, but not all get promoted uh, by the end of the episode. And so I thought, Oh, maybe that's why the second episode exists, not just in series, but like for this premiere, um, to handle that and not have people go an entire week wondering what the heck, why didn't, you know, my favorite character get uh, promoted. Um, that was one where I, I, I was kind of wondering about that because now some of the lower deckers are now what I will refer to as upper deckers. <laughs> so I, feel like <laughs> I feel like it's uh, quite in line with uh, their characters. Middle deckers, yeah. Could, I was going to say, can we call them middle deckers? Because uh, I'm just going to leave it to our audience if you're an adult to look up the term upper decker uh, on the internet. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. <laughs> really? Maybe, maybe not safe for this family-friendly podcast. Just go switch that safe search to <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Log in as yourself in your browser history, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and make sure your Share mom's on the Zoom, room. put it up on the big screen, you know, in the office, you know, just that. <laughs> and be prepared to slam the laptop, laptop yeah, shut. Do that. Do that indeed. All right. Should we move on to the second episode? Yes. Do we have? Mm -hmm. I have no bones, yet I must flee. Season four, episode two. Elevator pitch. Uh, I took it straight from a quote from the episode. Humans, we really are the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went a little bit more straightforward of the, the, the two plots, the A plot and the B plot of uh, Rutherford tries to get promoted while Mariner tries to get demoted. So, yeah, I guess spoilers for the prior episode, but Rutherford was the only one of the lower deckers who didn't get promoted last episode. So this no weapons one... policy on a, on a trap, death trap zoo. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, this was yes. uh, this one was also an old school Star Trek trope, right? The menagerie. Doing a menage. The menage. The menage. Doing the menage. Yeah, it's an yeah. old school menage. Um, yeah, so we get the, the, the sort of the one plot with, uh, yeah, we get, uh, Rutherford deciding that, you know, he's going to knuckle down and, and try and get that promotion so that he can join the rest of his, uh, his friends in, in, uh, getting promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade while, uh, Ransom and Mariner and Ensign Gary, I think is his name. Uh, yep. end up getting uh, sent over to the menagerie. And meanwhile, uh, Mariner has overheard Ransom talking about how she thinks what she overhears is him saying that she's going to get drummed out. So she decides to preempt him by, you know, showing up in her 
workout gear and not really paying attention and being rude and disrespectful and generally being a pain and scaring the pants off for Edson Gary, uh, who literally has to go change his pants a couple times. Yeah, replicates his pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to replicate well, didn't we see, new we pants. Saw, um, didn't we see the, the uniform getting replicated in Stark in Discovery at one point? At the beginning of one of the episodes, I think Mariner, or um, not Mariner, uh, the other Mariner. Michael Burnham. Michael. Uh, Michael. Yeah, 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 yeah. We saw one getting created. I don't think they had replicators in that era, so there's probably like some sort of resequencer, not a protein resequencer, oh, but right. like a synthetic resequencer or something. Hmm. I mean, you know, it, it seems nearly the same to me, and it seemed really cool seeing the little building blocks get built up, uh, mm-hmm. kind of Minecraft style from what I recall. Uh, I might yeah. have to look at the visual again. But sure, yeah. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, you might as well just call it, you know, replication, even if it's not technically a replicator. Yeah. Uh, my pew 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 I had to do is simply moopsie. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> moopsie. I don't know if uh, either of you had something else, but uh, moopsie, the uh, the bone drinking fluff ball was, uh, was a high, highlight for me. Oh, they're yeah. definitely going to sell that at cons. Like oh. I can already see <laughs> where, where do I where do I sign to get my moopsie? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had taking down the moopsie as my uh, best pew 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 in this episode as well. Yeah, yeah. Although it's it's the, the first scene where they're like where it crawls into the the cage with the two like feral looking monsters that look like you know overgrown velociraptors and it just starts like sucking their bones out of their heads yeah. was, that was shaking messed. them at the end yeah, sh- yeah shaking them oh my god yeah uh, <laughs> moopsie that creature ended up with one of my quotes of like just moopsie just <laughs> literally just that like it's like a weirdo pokemon you know i looked yeah. and looked and looked the last couple of days to see if i could find out who did the voice of moopsie and have come up uh snake eyes so far i will continue to see if i can figure it out but uh whoever mm. that was brilliant performance genuinely perfect absolutely no notes yeah definitely uh, my easter eggs for this one uh at one point when they go into the menage there's an aldebarian serpent in there uh if it yeah, looks familiar right. that's from tng that's uh, when Q appears for the second time, not the not the encounter at Farpoint, but the, uh, the first one where he comes back. He first pops mm-hmm. into the bridge, and that's what he looks like, is this sort of uh, bowling ball with three snakes sticking out of the top of it. Uh, oh, that's really? that's mm. an Aldebarian serpent. And, oh, I thought uh, you were talking about the, the one that went swimming by. It looked like a, what's that, oxual thing that... Oh, axolotl, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, this this is the one that looked like uh it was basically yeah, it looked the, like a, three cobras, yeah. Yeah, three cobras on a bowling ball. Uh that's yeah. uh it's, it's an Aldebarian serpent. So um I nice. just burst out laughing when I saw Shax and Ransom wearing uh Beverly and Deanna's workout outfits from oh, really? TNG. <laughs> oh my god, that made me laugh. It's so stupid. It's so stupid, but it's so funny. Because kill me now. <laughs> oh my god. I see uh, hot fudge Sundays after this. Yeah, it's just it was so stupid, but so funny. Like those sight gags should not be as funny as they are, but they work. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Yeah, I, I missed. I I did. I didn't catch that, but I. I mean, I saw it, but I didn't didn't make a connection. Yeah, and they they had done it in a previous episode where you had seen other people wearing that as workout gear, and it was like an inside job. But to see those two who are like the macho, virile members of the crew wearing like the ridiculous 1980s, you know, leotards was just, oh my God, it was so Mm -hmm. funny. 
Um, and the other one was they, they, this was like an inside Easter egg. They referenced, uh, at the end of the episode when Rutherford, Rutherford finally, uh, asks for a promotion that he long ago since earned, uh, and mm-hmm. he gets it, he gets it for the episode, uh, season two, episode 10, where he, they have to remove the hull, right? They have to remove the, the hull of the ship. And that was his idea. Yeah. And they wanted to promote him. Well, then, Tendi he... asks for it because he, he. He's turned down multiple promotions. Apparently. Well, that's it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, because he he saved them from the what's the uh, really dumb aliens? Um, the pack leads, yeah. Pack leads, yeah, 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 yeah. So, are you are you done with your Easter eggs? I am. So I had Tucker tubes. The Tucker tubes, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which of course what get, they do. You know, <laughs> yeah. They add one more. <laughs> they one more, and they have the uh, the Billups tubes. The Billups tubes, them. yeah. And of course, he, uh, he you mentioned Archer. He had an, uh, um, Roimler when he's moving from room to room has his his figures with him, right? Yeah. His action figures. Yeah. And he has an Archer one, but he also has a Spock and a Kirk one. He does. He does. Yeah. 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 Spock and Kirk dolls. No Pike, which is funny given we've seen him. Uh, him. Well, we're not supposed to mention Pike, as Mariner said, right? That's true. It's true. But you know, you'd think he would. That's not a way he's really mentioning it, right? You know, like he's <laughs> he could still have the toy. Yeah, the one uh, Easter egg I had was, you know, the title, I Have No Bones Yet I Must Flee, sounded very much like, I have no mouth and I must scream, uh, if you've ever seen that short, short story. story, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, who who wrote that? That was, um, oh, uh, that's from like the 50s, right? Uh, yes, because it's talking about a dystopian uh, Cold War uh, post-apocalyptic yeah. world. Uh, Ellison? I swear, I read that in like high school or something. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely one of those kinds of ones. Um, it's it's of that era. Uh, the internet yeah. here says it won a Hugo Award in 1968. So there you makes go. Sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh my God, the quotes from this episode. I'm going to become an insubordination supernova and control my own fate. That's from Mariner. Uh, I just have to do some amazing engineering. How hard can it be? Rutherford. <laughs> I thought, of, I gotta be honest. I thought of you too. When he said that quote, I just have to do some amazing engineering. How hard could it be? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and- I, I need to replicate some new pants from, from it's and Gary. Uh, how does something drink your bones <laughs> from Mariner? <laughs> Why is there a room between two holodecks from <laughs> Boimler? We didn't yeah. mention that little subplot where where Boimler keeps getting bounced from room to room as they reassign him. And the first one he goes blind because it's right next to the nacelle. The second one he ends up between two holodecks, one in which the captain is scatting, and the other one where uh, uh, Doctor Taana and Shafts are like rape murdering people in the Robin Hood fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! So dark. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was from this episode or the one previous where Tendi says, you know, how am I supposed to sleep without somebody mumbling about the war core? Yeah, yeah. Um, so much for these new pants from Edson Gary. So there's a second yeah. pair of Edson Gary's pants. And uh, it's chugging him from uh, Edson Gary when it when the thing goes after uh, the, the proprietor, Narge. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and the one that I used as my uh, uh, part of uh, this episode was humans. We really are the worst from Mariner when they find out that the humans are the ones who accidentally let Moopsie out. Yeah. And the, the Pike thing was, was um, Beck, Mariner says, how can you be distracted? How can you not be? How can you be this distracted over an empty ship? And Boimler says, well, you know, Chakotay served here. She says, dude. <laughs> 
that's this is nothing compared to you know that pike thing we're not supposed to talk about yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's actually i yeah. should put that in an easter egg that's a good one yeah all right honey, so, so we're back around to the big question the big question is no seriously because we got the second appearance of this mystery ship that comes up and it kills a bunch of very romulans, hilariously yeah. portrayed romulans i would stab mm -hmm. you in the back if i wasn't so busy um what what's your theory what do you think this is we've got two two appearances of this thing and is killing uh longtime trek nemeses you know i also had the the badgy question as the you know possible big bad um, and I'm going to relate that to this other part of like, uh, Livick, the other engineer that was getting, uh, Rutherford's druthers that he had, had preferred. So he was like, Livick. And at the very end, when <laughs> apparently you can only promote one person per day or something. And the, the, the one pip <laughs> goes to Rutherford and Livick turns on and says Rutherford and also Tendy. So now my sub question is, will Livick be sort of the the sub big bad who teams up with Badgie and enables Badgie to to get further along just when the lower deckers think that they've overcome. There's a uh, very uh, crystalline entity vibe going on here. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand exactly what's happening here, but I feel like it's not a coincidence that we're seeing these, uh, these threads coming out here. I feel like they'll yeah. be woven together. Now, my other option was Peanut Hamper. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Or yeah, okay. both, an alliance mm -hmm. of Badgie and Peanut Hamper. I mean, as long as we're throwing in, you know, AIs that are, are grumpy. What about um, Jeffrey Combs's? I forget what the name of the, oh, the, yeah, uh, the computer yeah, that's yeah. stuck in the the like vault of other uh, angry AIs. Because they were plotting, right? They were yeah. they put them beside each other and they were plotting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, could be. I like that they're doing a little little something to bring it all together i mean they, they they often do obviously the series isn't just just the one-offs but uh yeah it's it's nice to have a little 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 something there mm -hmm. i did have one other question um i know this has come up before but given the you know it's a little hand wavy because just because ransom says that mariner has been promoted and demoted like a dozen times that doesn't mean it's literally dozen he's just saying that's way too much <laughs> like you don't yeah. normally go up and down frequent at all much less frequently right so my question is how old is mariner given that she has been promoted and demoted whatever would qualify as a dozen times that even if it was a little bit of a hyperbole wasn't absolute truth stretching because she does seem to be slightly older and more experienced than the other lower deckers, but it's a little unclear, you know, if, if they were at the beginning of the show, like 22, is she like 27, you know, like what is that age where she's clearly not like in her 40s? She's not that much older than them, but she's not, uh, she's not of the same, you know, sort of class tier as the others is what it felt like even from yeah. the beginning. Yep. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, if we didn't know that she was Freeman's daughter, I would have said she's like an immortal or something. Mm -hmm. But I think that's part of the gag, right? Like she's supposed to be. I mean, Tawny, Tawny herself, Tawny Newsom, who does the voice, she's I think forty, early forties. So mm. I think maybe she's playing. Although I mean, I don't know how old Jack Quaid is, but I think I feel like Boimler is supposed to be younger than Jack is. But I don't know. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ready to dive into some Star Wars? Let's do some Ahsoka. Fallen Jedi. Part four, Fallen Jedi. Mm-hmm. Is it Fallen, Fallen Jedi? Is it the, um, oh, Balin? Is Bale, yeah, Balin? Is that who that is? Well, that's a good or question. Is it, or is it the surprise ending you, part? You, you could throw that stone and hit a few options, I think. Well, actually, I just got to let Akeen know. Just, yeah, this is the part where you you skip ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this Keen got this on the back burner? Yeah, well, we, we we had our postulation last week about uh, whether um, the information here is too deep for someone who hasn't watched Rebels, and yep. Keen has decided to go and binge uh, Rebels like Jaime did. So, Good man. Well done, Keen. So he's, he's not been listening to... He won't be hearing you say that, but I'll tell him <laughs> you said it. Um, he's been... Uh, Putting uh, Ahsoka off. I will say, uh, Keen has been a fun member of our uh, our Slack channel. We invite you all to join us on our Slack channel. We've got a few different things. We've got friends of the show, and we've got a great channel where we get into the spoiler zone, where we get and uh, mix things in. Keen had a good time last night throwing up some uh, fun spoiler clips and stuff like that. So thanks for thanks for playing in our sandbox. To Ellery pitches. How many wiggle first? Mine was more mysterious. I put uh, rocks, hard places, and how to get between them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, well, picking up on Ahsoka's line from this episode, it was uh, Ahsoka's not here to talk about her past, but she's coming face to face with it, whether she likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was, um, I guess this was sort of the first culminating episode. So we've had these sort of overlaying arcs of, you know, this mysterious map and them trying to get to the other side of the galaxy to a different galaxy further, further away. But this one that kind of all comes together on this planet Setos, where they have to basically Ahsoka and Sabine have to duel their way through the forest, fight off a bunch of assassins and assassin droids, get through uh, what looks to be an Inquisitor as well as a, a dark Jedi apprentice and and a, a very powerful dark Jedi and try and somehow stop this. We've got Hera finally coming into the, to the mix. We get to see the ghost for the first time. We get sword fights. We get, you know, space flights. We get, you know, all kinds of stuff. This was a banger, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Like, this this was what I timed. I thought the first few episodes were... There was moments I liked, but it was a little slow at times. And I get why they're doing it. They're trying to show you a little bit some of the dynamics and stuff. They got to lay the foundation. But this was a banger. This was where I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I wanted. Yeah, the only question I had was when, when the... Uh... The, the hyper ring bursts into into warp or whatever it is does their jump they kind of go right through uh hera and her you know, company uh, x-wings that it's doesn't the take her out yeah sorry it's the holdo maneuver from from no i know but it yeah. but it doesn't take them out i mean you because know it's like a, any... because it's a circle right i think they the circle oh, so goes right through them? them i think that's why they survive uh okay. yeah they, they get caught in the wash which is why some of them yep. end up damaged and crashing but otherwise right. they didn't like physically connect which is i think the difference between that and the holdo maneuver yeah 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 that was my my take in there too Uh, you know rebel is in there as well that's true we got carson tava back as uh as the x-wing pilot slash uh 
you know, sheriff on the out of the front, at the edge of the frontier. Too bad he didn't bring his buddy from the drinking uh, establishment with him. Would have been nice to see. Uh, yeah, true. Been nice to, been yeah. to see Zeb show up at some point, but um, but we get to see the ghost for the first time, really for the first time. I mean, we saw a cameo mm-hmm. of it obviously in Rogue One, um, and I think we saw it in a in a background shot uh, in a previous episode. But here we see Hera and Jason actually climbing the ghost, the real ghost, the real physical ghost, and. Go- and take her for a spin and man i I, i'm such a huge fan of rebels that i was just i was giddy when i saw that i was like yes we're finally getting the ghost in action it didn't do great on its first uh fly out but i have a suspicion it's going to play a pretty key role as we go forward well she was sort of hera was always sort of like the thunderbird uh vehicle that always came to the rescue in in many many episodes right well, and her strength on the Rebels show is that she is just one of the absolute best pilots that we've we've come across in Star Wars. And yeah. so to not have her behind the stick on this show would have been a, just a waste. Like, again, she was fine yeah. in the first couple episodes. We got to see her in episode two uh, when the, the they're trying to escape with that uh, piece of machinery to, to add into the hyper, uh, uh, hyperdrive. They... Mm-hmm see her flying but she's really she's kind of like dodging some blasts and flying so here we finally actually get to see her doing her thing and that was just in the phantom not in the or not in the uh ghost so yeah Yeah. ghost yeah yeah so i thought that was a lot of fun again i'm 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 such a fanboy for all this stuff so it's it's in my wheelhouse um so for my pew 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 i had the balin ahsoka fight at the end of the episode is that uh did you guys Mm -hmm. have anything different Mm. No, pretty much. It was there was a lot of sword fighty kind of stuff in here, right? So I I like the uh, the uh, the droid the droid fight with um Quang and and I don't know what you call those other robot droids. They're HKs. Uh, they're they're hunter killer droids. Hunter mm-hmm. killers. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Just I thought it was kind of cool to see him in action. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Like he you, you you tend to think of him. He's not quite as um I don't know what uh, a feat or just you know useless as as C three PO. Mm-hmm. But he still comes off as a little bit sort of prim and proper. But then when when it's just to throw down, he's like, "Yeah, I'm throwing down." That was that was pretty fun to watch. Well, he trains Jedi's, right? I mean, like he yeah. was training Sabine earlier, right? Yeah, for sure. Just in in terms of the wax on wax off stuff from last last episode. Jaime, did you have Balin and Ahsoka as well? I did, although I did give the the uh, other nod because I figured people would would choose that. I, I chose the the Huyang fisticuffs. Yeah. As well, mm-hmm. it seems kind of a little different too. I thought um, the, the dual battle that they had in the middle of the episode between Ahsoka and Marak, uh, Maruk and um, Shin Sabine. and yeah. Sabine was was good, especially because there was that tension with Sabine the rematch, right? Like last time she got a sword yeah. stuck through her, and so you're like, well, she hasn't done that much training since then. Like, what's going to be different? But um, the difference was this time that she fought like a Mandalorian, right? She it wasn't about fighting like a Jedi. It was about fighting like a Mandalorian. She not only yeah, did she, she use her, her lightsaber, but wrist. she used her gauntlets. She used her guns. She used her agility. She used her smarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, was, that's was, what I was thinking too. She had the armor on and stuff. Like, yeah, uh, the the fake out of like I'm gonna force push you. Like actually, I'm just gonna shoot you in the face with my my um you know my gauntlet. Like you know you the have uh, no power. Yeah, yeah, it would be considered dishonorable and cheating from a Jedi standpoint, but not from Mandalorian standpoints yeah. of like just fight to win. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's Did funny. Did you use knee rockets? I can't remember. No, no knee rockets in this one. 
Um, I did think as I was reflecting on the sort of the first four episodes, I was like, we really have only seen her put the helmet on a couple of times. And, you know, she certainly has it on and off throughout Rebels. But um, I'm conflicted because I think Natasha Lubudizo is beautiful. Um, and I don't mind seeing her face. And I think she's a really good emotive actor. But also, I kind of like to see her wearing that cool Mandalorian because it's such a unique Mandalorian design with her, her paint job on it and stuff like that. I kind of like maybe put the mask on her a couple more times. So Easter eggy stuff, uh, obviously the ghost, we finally got the ghost. So that was a big one. So yep. there was a bit of a discussion online, uh, with the fight between Ahsoka and Maruk. She kills him, uh, but not really because Maruk's clearly already dead. Um, when we see her slice into him and he dies, we see him basically burst. And what yeah. comes out of him is night sister magic. So mm-hmm. I think what we're supposed to infer is that, Maruk is basically a resurrected um, uh, warrior who's basically like been brought back to life. Now, whether or not he was uh, also, you know, whatever other part of his origin we want to get into, uh, clearly he was not a real there, there kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get the reference. I saw him burst into sort of smokiness or whatever, but. Yeah, we we see some of that in the um, in the Rebels series and in the Clone Wars series. We see the the Night Sisters magic being used, and when they basically revive the dead, which they do periodically because they are very powerful um, force slash magic users, um, that's the same effect we see. So I think we're supposed to infer that that Maruk was was fighting for the cause, perhaps posthumously. And the other thing that we got a reference to is Balin when, after he has knocked Ahsoka off the edge of the cliff during their duel, he's talking with Sabine and he says to her, uh, you know, your family is dead. Your family is dead because your master didn't believe in you. And so we kind of get confirmation here that... that uh, Sabine's family was on Mandalore during the siege, which we've seen play out in the in the Mandalorian series, where uh, the the Imperial forces basically bomb bombed Mandalore into into the Stone Age, and so all of those characters that we got to know through her in Rebels, uh, her brother, her mom, all those people uh, are apparently gone. No more House of Ren. And I think we had to, I mean, we were talking about what, what caused the split between Ahsoka and and Sabine that was enough that they just went their separate ways, and that tracks, right? If she couldn't be there to protect her family and her family all died when Mandalore got destroyed, that might be enough to cause that rift. The rumor mill is always kind of funny with these shows. Uh, so one of them that we, we saw confirmed as not being true... Uh, was that the uh, the Inquisitor was definitely not Ezra. Like, that wouldn't have made any sense, but there were, you know, tiny yeah. corners of the internet that thought maybe it was uh, Ezra. Um, and some people thought it was Starkiller, too, right? From uh, oh, the, the Force from Unleashed? The, yeah, yeah, the game series. Interesting. Yeah, there was a few uh, people, because I guess Sam Witwer has had some credits in, in the depths of the credits. Um, and Sam Witwer did, uh, he was the voice of Darth Maul, on the Clone Wars and Rebel series, but also he was the f- voice of Starkiller on the Starkiller and the Force Unleashed video games. With a lot of people being like, "Well, 
Maybe it's a resurrected version of Maul with a mask on. Maybe it's a version of Starkiller. Maybe it's going to be... And in the end, it just—it was just a guy, which is probably for the best, because <laughs> let's not make things any more complicated than they need to be. This is already a little bit of a deep-in-the-weeds series, so probably not necessary to make it even more complicated by being like, that was Darth Maul resurrected. Although, at one point when he has the double-ended lightsaber, he does kind of a very Maul pose. And I was like, huh. hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So question I have, though, is the when Jason says, I have a bad feeling, is that an Easter egg or a quote? I mean, it's a, it's a callback for sure, for sure, because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. something yeah. We, we've heard throughout the Star Wars series and, and movies In over the years. every single movie? I don't know. I don't know. All six of them? I have a bad feeling about this, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely a throwback, for sure. The um, the math of age doesn't work out, but the funniest one that I'm pretty sure was a joke I'd seen was like, "Who is Balin?" And somebody said, "I think it's the the uh, the kid who says Master Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are we going to do? <laughs> who had somehow survived?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I wonder at one point we'll get sort of more of of. Uh, Balin's backstory or if he's just going to remain a cipher through this whole thing I wonder if he's going to become a little more fleshed out because um, that was sort of the big question that I had for this episode because Balin has made reference when he's working for um, uh, the, the Thrawn cause writ large but he keeps saying and he said it in multiple episodes he says it to Shin earlier and then he says it again in this one when he's talking to Sabine that he's working, or he says to Ahsoka, I'm working for a far greater purpose. He's he's talking beyond uh, Thrawn coming back. He's got something else in mind. So my question was, uh, do do you, either of you, have a thought on who that, or what that far greater purpose he is doing? Is this all coming back to the whole resurrect the Emperor uh, First Order kind of thing? I didn't go that direction. Greater cause is, is this whole clone... Palpatine, you know, big plot in the background. I mean, that's certainly plausible. I didn't, I didn't think to go there because when I looked at um, the past few episodes and then this episode in particular, I saw a lot of, a lot of contrast. A lot of people who have more or less the same choice to make, they just take a different path. So, um, if you compare Ahsoka to Balin, both have left the Jedi order. One is ostensibly still kind of sticking to the good guy part of it. And the other is, you know, clearly more in the bad guy part of it, but only superficially like Balin, like his, um, I forget what his Padawan is named. Um, Shin. Shin. Thank you. She was like, you know, force choking. Yeah. Uh, Sabine. And he's like, no, 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 cut it out. Like cut it out now because I gave her my word, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in an honorable sort of way, I gave her my word. I'm going to keep my word on this sort of thing, right? So he's got mm-hmm. some measure of honor. You have Ahsoka versus Sabine where, um, you know, they both have this same choice of like, you know, if it comes down to it, we got to destroy the map because we don't want Thrawn to come back. That was my quote here. Ahsoka saying, better that than allowing Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire, which is kind of an Easter egg itself. But Sabine chose the other path, right? She said, no, I don't want to lose out on getting my friend back of Ezra, it's better to take the chance. So I feel like they set up a lot of different mm. contrasts of like, you know, same choice to make, which choice does a character make? And for me, it kind of feels like for Balin and, ah- and Ahsoka, Ahsoka feels 
to me more like the uh, New Republic leaning side of like better to let people have freedom and make choices, even if they're the wrong choices. And Balin seems to be more of like, you know, team empire of like, no, it, it kind of sucks to have an empire, but it's also got some nice things of like having order and avoiding the chaos of people making bad decisions. I feel like that's where they were going with them. Uh, not saying yeah. you're wrong in yours. Maybe they are going towards like the, you know, somehow Palpatine came back sort of thing. But um, I felt like from what I saw so far, I was like, oh, maybe they're going down the like, we're both basically making the same, uh, both making different choices on the same questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I took from Sabine's decision to, to end up basically giving the map back was, I think she basically did the math. She thinks Ahsoka is gone. She thinks Ahsoka is dead, right? She thinks she just saw Balin kill her because they were standing on the edge of a very large cliff over an ocean. So I think she thinks Ahsoka just died. Uh, my family's all dead. If I don't give them the map, these two are just going to kill me. But if I give them the map, at least I have a chance to save Ezra, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. I saw a few people on the socials being like, you know, oh my God, she's like a turncoat and whatever. I'm like, no, I think that's just smart math. Like she's basically has done the math and said, everything else I care about is gone at this point. I may as well try and save Ezra. Yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, some relativism is what folks need to consider of like, you know, uh, would you sacrifice one person you know, so that all of the problems, there's no more war, there's no more hunger, you know, all of these problems in the, the real world are just gone. And all it takes is one person and you can have billions now, uh, seven to eight billion people benefit now and billions more, maybe trillions by the time the things continue going, right? Mm. It's like, oh yeah, like I would absolutely sacrifice the person who cut me off in traffic. Would I sacrifice <laughs> my parents? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like it's when I sacrifice your parents or the parents of the person who cut me off in traffic. It feels very different, doesn't? It? It's the same exact question. Sacrifice one person uh, for the whatever the greater good is, and it's like, well, well, what is the greater good, and what does that mean to me personally? I feel like that's yeah. the the human part, right? I feel like yeah. machines could be like, yeah, obviously, you sacrifice one person, and billions are are better. You know, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Um, but from a, from a human standpoint, it's like, no, it, 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 the justice feels different. The price feels different when it's more personal. Yeah. And the quote at the beginning of the episode, Ahsoka and Sabine are talking and Ahsoka, I had in my quotes here, if we can't make the journey to find Ezra, then no one should. And I, that one kind of struck me because it was, but she's basically saying like, if it comes down to it, you know, we got to destroy the map and sacrifice ever seeing Ezra again. Cause Thrawn can't come back. And then, of course, that plays out at the end of the episode with Sabine's choice. But I think what Sabine is, again, calculating is, at least I'll have a chance to do this, right? So you're right. It's it's about moral relativism. I also feel like it's an easier call to make because even though Ahsoka was, you know, sort of part of the crew, she wasn't sort of the core part of the crew, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so... You know, maybe this gets into spoiler territory for what I'm sure is the biggest Easter egg of like, who in your past, Ahsoka, would you sacrifice <laughs> willingly, so cavalierly to keep Thrawn from coming back, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. uh, your your actions at the end of this episode made me think, maybe given the same exact choice or decision to make, you might make a different choice than you're claiming here. Um, yeah. All right, I'm going to roll through some quotes, and then and then I'm, we're going to get into the to the the final scene because I think that's that's there's some meat to chew on there. 
Um, so from Hu Yang, uh, stick together. You always did better that way, in my opinion. I thought that was very sweet. Uh, Once a Rebel, Always a Rebel from Hera. Uh, classic. Yeah, that's like that's just made for trailers. Uh, everyone in the Order knew Anakin Skywalker. Few would live to see what he became. Surely that must leave a mark from Balin to Ahsoka. That was nasty. That was a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not here to discuss my past. That's what Ahsoka says at one point. Your legacy, like your masters, is one of death and destruction. So again, something is, uh, you know, Balin clearly is not an Anakin fan. Um, and then you, you mentioned Tim, uh, Jason's line, Mom, I've got a bad feeling after the uh, the Eye of Sion shoots past them and off to a galaxy further further away um okay well, there's, so, there's also the there's also the line that that jason says how come you get to disobey yeah, when you're a general <laughs> yeah um, you can do that too so the final scene we cut to ahsoka lying down she stands up she hears a voice she turns around she hears somebody call her snips which there's only one mm. person ever called her Snips. And right. she turns around and we see Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. And so I do have a question quickly. Is yeah. that the world between worlds? It is the world between worlds. And so that yeah, was part of okay. part of what I wanted to bring up was when we're getting into the like deep cuts lore of of Star Wars here, I man, I'm excited to see how they try and explain this one for a casual Star Wars fan, because man, we are in yeah. the freaking weeds now. The World Between yep. Worlds is an abstract concept for fans. I've watched the entire series of Rebels three times, beginning to end, and I'm still mm-hmm. like, that's weird. So yeah. the idea but it, is But it's that, pretty much only the last two. Only I've only seen it in the last two episodes of Rebels, right? Um, yes. No, I mean, Ezra goes there, season, right? right? Like end of season two? Yeah. Yeah. Ish, there is another ish, reference is, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird concept for people who are, are not deep into the, the animated universe. It's the idea that there is this place within the force that exists between worlds that connects all pathways in space and time. And we see it in rebels and the moment when, uh, in, uh, season two finale, Darth Vader and Ahsoka are dueling to the death, and Ezra in season four is traveling in the world between worlds, and he reaches through a portal in time and space and pulls Ahsoka into the world between worlds to save her life when Vader's about to kill her. And now, in the moment when she is about to die and thinks she has fallen to her death, she wakes up in the world between worlds and finds herself face to face with Anakin. And time-wise, this makes sense because at this point, we are now supposed to be, uh, we'll say, four or five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, and Anakin has been redeemed. He is a Force ghost. And so, in theory, this is not Darth Vader. This is Anakin, although we did get an ominous note at the end in the music where they played a little Darth Vader-y ditty at the very end there that sounded very much like Darth Vader's theme. So... Um, all that to say, this is set up for a banger of a next episode. And I think this is why everyone's talking about this is something to see in the theater and otherwise, because this is going to finally be the conversation that has sort of been, you know, especially Clone Wars and Rebels fans have always wanted of, you know, if these two who clearly love and care about each other throughout the Clone Wars and then we see, you know, the terrible truth come to Ahsoka in, in Rebels. You know, they finally get a chance to 
speak face to face? What's this going to be? And and how does it affect what happens from here on out? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, folks have online been a little bit concerned about the way that uh, Rosario Dawson has portrayed Ahsoka as very stoic and sort of aloof and detached in this series. I think folks need to remember this is many years after the last time you saw her in something like Rebels. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that to Rosario Dawson's uh, credit, she acts very differently when she sees her master, right? Like she opens up and brightens up quite a bit seeing him. So I think that was quite intentional to have her be kind of aloof and, and world weary and then have her sort of youthful vigor, um, you know, reignited through this, uh, this connection. I hope that's the case. I think I, I, again, I think Rosario is an incredible performer. I have enjoyed almost every single thing I've ever seen her in, including this. Um, but I'll be curious to see what, how the character might change as a result of what happens in episode five. So speculation corner, does she then go from the world between worlds to the galaxy further, further away to join Sabine? Or does she come back to where she left and they find some other way to get the ghost and maybe some other things using the purgles or some other way of getting there themselves? Do we think that this is a, this is a team effort? This is a solo effort with any, any thoughts? Well, Hera's got to get there somehow, right? So I would hope so, but I, I don't know that I would guarantee it. I guess the question is, how, like, is episode five, you know, sort of centered on, uh, you know, a lot of the, the Anakin Ahsoka stuff, and then episode six, boom, they show back up? Or you know, do they have to actually go to the galaxy further, further away, and then find Ezra, find Thrawn... Like, I'm thinking the end of this series logically is they're back in their own galaxy, Thrawn is back in their own galaxy, and probably Ezra is back in their own galaxy, because the idea is that Thrawn is going to be the big bad for uh, any future Ahsoka, Mandalorian, oh, wow, Book yeah. of Boba Fett, all that stuff. So he's coming back to, the, to this galaxy, because they've already said they're going to do him as the big bad in, in future seasons of these series, as well as the culminating film that they want to do, which Filoni's going to direct. So that's kind of a spoiler uh, that we've been given as fans, but we know Thrawn is eventually coming back. We just don't know the circumstances, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, based on kind of what you guys have just sort of said, and, and all of us have noted that Rosario Dawson's portrayal of, I mean, it's kind of like, Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, when he goes to face Darth Vader, he's very calm, cool, and collected, right? He doesn't really, he's not the whiny, you know, kid we're used to, right? Um, he's all dressed in black and all that kind of stuff as well, right? Maybe this meeting with Anakin is going to change her perspective, because I mean, she's not been able to have that, you know, exit interview with, with Darth Vader, basically, right? So to say, hey, what the hell happened and what did you do and, and, and where do we go from here kind of thing. And maybe this opening scene of next week's episode is going to be that, right? And then coming back to whether Hera's involved in, in finding Thrawn and that, um, why have her in the, as a B-plot anyway than if she's not going to go to the you know the main battle, which is going to be when we discover Thrawn and Ezra and things like that, right? Yeah, I guess the question is, is the main battle happening in the galaxy far, far away that we know, or is it happening in that further, further away galaxy? Well, I mean, 
you know, from the, this is kind of like, like, I think what you're sort of implying to me is, is like Darth Vader spinning off at the end of destruction of the first Darth, the first Death Star, you know, kind of like they had him spin off so that he could come back and be the big bad in the future movies. Right. So mm-hmm. as opposed to being destroyed with, with Grand Moff Tarkin, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that, that, I mean, that's what I would sort of want to see. Like, if, like, you know, not knowing what you just told me is that, you know, Thrawn is expected to be in the following films. I mean, they have to bring him back to this, this, this far, far away galaxy as opposed to the far, far, far away galaxy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, where the conflict is going to happen, I mean, obviously Balin is going uh, to the new place, the, um, Morgan is going there. Um, their, their apprentice is going there. Yeah. And Sabine's with them. Sabine's with them. Yeah. Sabine's going, I think Sabine has, a, uh, an ulterior motive. Yeah. Why she's, she's probably figuring out, you know, that there's no other way to get to where Ezra is. Yep. Without, I mean, cause, cause the question is like, she dissipated, not that Sabine, or not that, uh, Ahsoka is her commanding officer cause she disobeys her and doesn't destroy the, the sphere. Yeah. Right. And, um, I don't know if, I don't know if Balin convinces her to do this or maybe like, hang on a second. So when does, when Ahsoka tells her to destroy the spheres before they meet Balin, right? Yeah, the beginning like, of the episode, well, she basically she doesn't tell her to destroy the fear. She basically says, "If we can't get there, no one should get there." Well, okay, so maybe yeah, so maybe this is her. Okay, I can get there this way, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, or or, or it could have been could have been an unspoken like you know they'll come back in episode seven saying, "See, our trick fool worked. We fooled them into thinking we didn't want to go with them," you know, because at least she's at least she's staying with the prime objective, which is to find out where Thrawn, stop Thrawn from coming back and, and subplot or secondary directive is find Ezra, right? Because yeah. Ezra is also a known Jedi, right? Yep. So it's, it's, you know, two against one with Ahsoka and Ezra, right? Yep. Although it's funny because uh, for the people who don't know, when you watch uh, Rebels, you know, people tend to think of Thrawn as this, you know, he's a tactician or, you know, if you don't know much about him, you just, people talk about him like he's this, you know, uh, great warrior or whatever, but he's a, he's a martial artist. He's a badass in that show too. He's, he's, yeah. he's a scary dude and yeah. he's like 10 times smarter than everybody else. Have you read the, the, uh, Thrawn books? I read the original heir to the empire when it came out. So that would have been 35 years ago, 30 <laughs> So I have virtually no recollection. I have a good memory and I don't remember a lot of it. Um, but I never read the subsequent, the rest of the trilogy. So, uh, yeah, I don't I really do have, have, I have them on reserve at the, at the library. You just reminded me to go check and see what happened to my, where I am in the list. But yeah, yeah I, I have, I have them copies as... of them. I still have my original copies of them here. I have the, the original hardcover. From no, I'm waiting way for back the, when. I'm waiting for the audio audio books. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, this was, this was, what I was looking for from Ahsoka, it was a slow burn for the first two or three episodes to kind of get to this point. But this was a great combination of, you know, action, intensity, gravitas. I thought uh, Ray Stevenson as Balin was was uh, extremely gripping. I thought he played it just like he was scary. Like the way that he was just physically imposing on Ahsoka and just seemed so menacing and powerful. I thought was really, really 
captivating. And yeah, this was a really good one. And, and it's just sets up what, I mean, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, as, as a, you know, fanboy, I have kind of always dreamt of what, what we might get some closure between Anakin and Ahsoka because their relationship is at the core of the Clone Wars series. And it's so important. And it's funny because the, the movies, the, the live action episodes, one, two, three, really focus on the, the Padme and the Anakin relationship. But I'm not sure that's as important as the, as the Ahsoka and Anakin relationship in the end. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really, really curious to see how they put together. Now I know the next episode is written and directed by Filoni um, and Filoni loves this stuff. And it matters to him. And I'm hoping it's it's everything that we we want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think um yeah. worth noting in the uh the spoiler zone section of our uh, of our Slack community, uh Dave Price had said that uh he appreciated the the Viking style Jedi that Balin mm. represents, where his his style is a lot more uh like a claymore, which yeah. I'm going to interpret to mean like more like I'm going to bludgeon yeah, two, you. Two-handed battle sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a two-hander. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. kind of a bit different than the um, like ninja-esque, samurai-esque sort of uh, style that uh, has come from the prequel era. Yeah. But something different. All right. Should we move on to the watch list? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I put anything in the watch list? I'm sure I have something. Well, we'll, we'll vamp for you while you do that. Yep. I had uh, The Wheel of Time Season 2. It's on Prime Video. They dropped the first three episodes um, last week, like on Fridays, I think. Maybe it's on midnight or something weird like that. And so they're up to the episode four now. So I believe it is an eight-episode series for this season, just like last season. So they're about halfway already. Hmm. So if you enjoyed the first season and uh, uh, you want to see some more, I think uh, it's right in line with that. You know? It's... Um, you know, I think it's one of those series that like everybody is looking for their um, Game of Thrones equivalent, and this is sort of the the second uh, I'm up at bat for for Amazon because Kojo they had the uh, the Rings of Power as being their their Lord of the Rings equivalent for uh, House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones, and I don't think that this series quite reaches up to that. But you know, for young adult reading material turned into uh, live action. I'm not familiar um, with the books. I've not read the books. I've been aware of, of the book series, but uh, for me, I'm like, yeah, it's enjoyable week to week. It's a good, good question. Jaime. I, I was thinking Tim and I talked about um, foundation a while back and, you know, I'm really enjoying season two of foundation. Um, it's mm-hmm. a show that's been one of my favorite shows the last little while. Uh, I thought season one was a little uneven, and a little hard to follow. This one has been focused more on a singular time period, I think, and has been focused on a sort of smaller scope of characters. And I've really, really enjoyed season two. And Tim made the point, well, you know, uh, he's read the books. I haven't read the books. Mm-hmm. I don't feel encumbered by that past history. And I find that that's probably, in this case, a good thing. But, you know, we, we kind of dip in and out of this philosophy, right? Like, I've read all the Game of Thrones books. I've read, you know, obviously tons of, you know, comic books that are tied to Star Wars, other things to 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 sort of tie together all these, this mythology that we love. Um, I wonder if Wheel of Time is something where you get more out of it if you have read the books or if you find yourself throwing things at the screen because you're like, that's not what that person would say. 
I, it's, it's hard for me to, to sort of gauge, um, because there's, there's always that element of like, Hey, this wasn't word for word. It needs to be a, a 31 hour episode yeah. series just for like the first season kind of uh thing. So there's obviously going to be some shortcuts taken of some sort. Um, I think season one had a few things where I'm like, mm, that feels like it wouldn't fit the character as I understand them. I bet you they had to squish two characters worth of, of reasoning into one for this one. Um, I feel like that's probably going to be inevitable. So again, this is probably why I don't think that, uh, like if you had to make a choice, like if you're just like, you know what, I'm a busy parent work is really pummeling me. I have only one choice of series. You're probably better off with house of the dragon, uh, which also has its own set of folks that I, you know, I try to avoid a little bit online cause I don't want spoilers for the future. Um, but there are people who say, Hey, I don't like X because that's different from the books. Um, and I, I personally enjoyed house of the dragon. So I, I think again, if you're time limited, maybe wheel of time and uh, season one and season two may not be for you. But if you're looking for some additional, you know, um, high fantasy type stuff, I think it'll be right in people's wheelhouse if you're if you're listening to this very episode. Yep. Uh, for my watch list, uh, the first thing I have is what we do in the shadows. So the TV series, what we do in the shadows, just ended. Uh, season five was its final season. Just ended uh, its run on FX in the states. And uh, I had thought for quite a while I like some of the performers that are in that show. But I had a while ago when it was on sale on iTunes, I had bought the original movie on which it's based, which is a mockumentary done by Taika Waititi uh, that is about a group of vampires that live in Wellington, New Zealand, who live in this house. And that was the inspiration for the TV series. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to sit down and watch that. So my wife and I sat down this week and watched the original What We Do in the Shadows movie with uh, the starring Taika Waititi and uh, pretty much an exclusively um, New Zealander cast. And it was extremely funny. I, I do recommend it entirely. It's very, very funny as I'm, as I'm, I'm now looking forward to watching the, the show as well. But the, the movie, it's New Zealandness was hilarious on its own. Just the way that they interact with each other, the, 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 Kiwiness of it was a very, very funny. It was presented as like a New Zealand documentary film board picture and stuff. It's 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 very Taika Waititi. If you enjoy, you know, Hunt for the Wilder People or uh, any of his other films, obviously Thor, Ragnarok, and and, and others. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I do I do recommend it. I put the trailer into our show notes so you can have a look. But it's uh, it's definitely worth a watch. That especially if you are a fan of the TV series, you can see where it all began. But uh, definitely dug that. I would recommend. The other thing that I got this week in the mail was uh, I ordered Christina Chong's debut CD EP. Uh, Christina Chong is um, as um, La'an on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the security officer. She uh, has been posting for a while that she was recording some music and that... Uh, Obviously, we saw her sing in the musical episode of Strange New Worlds, and she was pretty darn good. She's probably the best singer of that episode. And uh, so she posted on her socials that she was selling copies of her EP. And not only is she selling copies, but she was autographing them. So uh, in the mail this week, um, 
was my autographed copy of. I was going to ask if you got an autographed one. Okay, good. Yeah, good. the uh, the autographed copy of Christina Chong's Twin Flames EP, and it's good. It's really good. It's it's like it's only four songs. It's pretty low, uh, you know, as far as you know, uh, the amount of time you get out of it. It's only about fifteen minutes long, but uh, but she's really talented. I think uh, she she if she wants, she can have a, a dual career because I think we all enjoy her on the show. But uh, but it's good. Uh, I think you can get it on some of the streaming services as well. So if you don't want to invest, uh, I completely understand. But I thought it's a fun thing to have. And uh, it's certainly it's nice to support artists who are uh, on their way up. So, uh, yeah, get a chance. Check out Christina Chong's Twin Flames. Cool. Well, I'm glad you got the little signed one. That's definitely important. Mm-hmm. She she actually signed them and then she posted that they were all gone. Or somebody complained they were all gone. So she went back and signed a few more so. Yeah, I don't know if you got the first batch or the second batch. Or, I I did get the first batch, but uh, yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, I got uh, in the post from from England. Uh, I I assume this is her handwriting on the front of the package because it's very pretty. Uh, but well, yeah, okay, cool. Keep the package, I guess. Right. Mm. Um. So for me, I've been watching Invasion season two. It just came back. It was um an interesting. It's sort of a War of the Worlds kind of concept, um, but told in a sort of very, like, nowadays kind of way. Um, and there is a bit of reading involved because some of the characters speak Japanese, I think it is. Um, or it might be Chinese. But uh, but this this season now is sort of evolved beyond where we left our, our, our heroes last season. It was a 10-episode season. It's very well done, very well, highly produced. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I did try Jaime's pick last week, Our Flag. I forgot what death is our flag or something like that or whatever. Our flag um, means death. Our flag means death. The um, the flags were funny, <laughs> I got to say. And some of the crew are funny, but I, I don't know if I can finish. I watched a couple of episodes, and I don't know if this is for me. I'm not really not really getting it. I mean, I get it. It's funny. It, it has moments and stuff like that, but I'm not sure it's something I really want to continue. Same thing with the clearing. I started watching the clearing about uh, four or five months ago, and um, it, it's a bit derivative, and, I, and it's it's not a sci-fi story, but uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty much done with that one. Um, and I am going to start watching at some point. I don't know when, because I know this is the last, the final season, I believe, or part five of Disenchanted, right? Yeah, I, I thought about out. throwing that on my list for the same reason. I, I saw it pop up on my Netflix this week and was like, oh, yes, I have to sit down and watch that. Yes, but but now you now you probably want to savor it because you know it's the last one, right? So Yeah, although I'm kind of glad, like, because it has been a little erratic as far as when it's been out, mm. I'm not only looking yeah. forward to watching the last season, but I think I look forward to sometime in the next few years sitting down and doing a one, like start at the beginning, work my way through the whole thing and sort of see how it all comes together. Cause it does have a really kind of overarching arc too. Yeah. It did. It did sort of feel a little long in the tooth in the third or fourth season a bit, right? It so. was dragging a bit. Yeah. I, I think the, the choice to end it is not a bad one. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another episode. So Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, where they find you, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, uh, at JPK news, or you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash at JPK. And how many people want to get in touch with you? Where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine, the X machine, the Threads machine, the Mastodon machine. Yeah, that's pretty much where you can get me. So just look for that name. And until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. 
If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. the x machine i feel like we're talking about like some weird nickname for my son do you know what the 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 naming of the of x is just it's so problematic oh right? my god like, yes i mean like beyond the fact that apple prohibits you from naming an application with one single letter yeah but they man they managed to pull it off yeah i don't know maybe maybe uh musk bought some apple shares or something or has a lot of them and they 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 kowtowed to him so because uh, if Jaime or I tried to do it, they wouldn't let us do it. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. My next next app is going to be called A. Yeah. Because it's going to, you know, and it's going to be like on the top of all the lists because it's alphabetical. Well, wasn't that always the joke with the old uh, telephone books? People who wanted to be at the top of the yellow pages would be like, A, 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 Painting Incorporated. Yeah, 100%. That's 100% why. Or you put a space, if you're on a Mac, you put your space in front of your name. So it always filtered to the top. Yeah. Like I have a, a every every single Mac I own has a, a work folder on it with a space at the beginning. Mm. You know, so I could always find it, you know, it's annoying. Yeah. Then eventually got around to using the, uh, I mean, you know, in Unix, you have a home folder and stuff like that. And so you all learn to do, put things in the right place. And, but, you know, Apple and, and, um, I guess on Windows, they had the C drive as well, right? So, yeah, you learn to put your stuff in the documents where they belong, right? Yeah. <laughs> or or like me, just say everything, everything to the desktop and let Hazel app put things away for me. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Navy sales automation. <laughs> so I never have to worry about where. And then if I want to go look for something, I know if it will, if it's a PDF, it'll be in the PDF folder. If it's a zip, it'll be in the mm. zip folder, you know? AI is here to yeah. save us. Well, this is an AI. This is like going back many, many years. It's funny. I just, I just, um, I was looking for some old um, 3D files. I didn't keep. I don't know why I didn't keep a lot of data from early, early days. But um, which is not unlike, which is unlike me, really. Uh, so I pulled up my old Quadra 700 and fired it up, and and uh, I put Quick Keys back on it. I used to use Quick Keys all the time before. You know, a lot of the a lot of Mac commands didn't have a key equivalent, so you could do all kinds of stuff with your with your keyboard. So I started doing things like. I had a whole bunch of processes automated with quick keys and stuff like that, timesheets and stuff like that. So, blast from the past. And it's amazing how fast the, this old computer is compared to like how long it takes to start up and how long it takes to load a file. And of course, there's nothing in the files. I mean, like they're all miniature, tiny, you know, pretend files compared to what we use today, right? But it's funny how we put up with the, the long load times we deal with these days. It was so much more efficient back then. <laughs> Well, we were trying to load things that were a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah. This is true.
Anyway, I did actually watch um, Lower Decks episodes yesterday and again today, just you know, to see if I could find some Easter eggs that I didn't notice before. But I had a real hard time watching the second episode yesterday. I was so tired. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was working on the front porch and in the hot sun all day. So, yeah, and I had to I had to redo when I guys said you guys are not record tonight. I had just realized I'd made a huge mistake and had to redo a whole chunk of it. So, mm. yeah, um, I noticed on uh, Amazon earlier today, Amazon Canada, but Amazon at writ large, I assume that they just put up the pre-orders for the uh, the Disney Plus uh the the physical copy stuff we talked about a few episodes back the oh, Mandalorian yeah. Yeah. and uh, Loki and and WandaVision so two mm-hmm. seasons of Mandalorian plus one the first season of Loki and the first season of WandaVision these are uh 4K steelbooks 75 Canadian dollars a pop what it's a lot crazy hmm. I'll turn my head towards the microphone set up yeah that being said, I was also just looking there. There's a pre-order up for uh, Peter Bogdanovich's uh, The Last Picture Show, the movie from the 70s, which I, I really like. It's the first time they're putting it out on uh, 4K. It's a Criterion disc. It is it is a typical Criterion disc. It's loaded full of stuff and everything else. However, it is $73 just for is a that, 4K is that movie. The, uh, is that the one with Clarice Clare, Leachman? Yes. Yes. Clarice uh, Leachman and uh, Sybil Shepard, Jeff Bridges... Yeah. That's a good movie. It's a very good movie. But uh, I have it on DVD, but the transfer is not what I would call great. And I've always wanted to have a high-res version of it, because I'd love to see this movie as it was originally shot, properly cleaned up and everything. And that's what they've done, the full restoration and the whole thing. So I kind of want this one, but I'm like, $73 for one movie is a lot. I wonder if they they ever put it in... um... Uh, what do you call that? Um, I wonder if they ever show it in, at TIFF, like in the theater. Mm, that'd be interesting when they when they come out. Like if some if some show is showing, I'll go see it. I really wanted the the only thing that popped up at TIFF this year that was like really caught my ears up was the. Uh, did you see they did a restoration of uh, Stop Making Sense, the the Talking Heads movie? They're Is doing the concert one with the big suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing that as uh, they're showing it on the IMAX. They've done a full restoration for IMAX, and then they're doing... Oh, it's part of TIFF, as part of the film festival? As part of the film festival. It's on Monday. And then they're doing a live via satellite uh, reunion of the band for a Q&A. Because they don't... uh, They have not been together for a while, I guess. Everybody didn't like Dave very much, which makes sense. But, um, yeah. uh, Yeah. Man, talk about a show that I would pay to see. To see the the actual Talking Heads get back together? My God. Hmm. I didn't realize. I was trying to find out what films, because I'm a TIFF member, right? No, I meant I meant just TIFF in general. No, no, I know, but uh, I saw that they they, uh, they lost the Bell sponsorship, eh? Yeah. Hopefully they'll find yep. some other presenting sponsor. I'm guessing mm-hmm. they were like, oh, it's going to be a weak year, we're saving our money, but that's sucky. What shows here stop making sense? Oh, Cineplex, Younger Dundas. It's playing a couple of times, actually. Yeah. Wait, when is it playing? Or oh, it's playing today, or on the 11th? The 11th Monday, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going. I might be going. I might be going to see Peter Gabriel. And, huh? So, yeah, Monday was the one where they're doing the um, the live uh, Q and A thing. It's playing at uh, in uh, Mississauga. Yeah. At six p.m. on on the um, it's playing all over the place. Winston Churchill. Yeah, I, I think they're doing Monday. it like simulcast kind of thing. Hmm. Cool. Well, Monday I have Gabriel tickets unless I can get rid of them. Mm. I'll lower the price to see how that I can get rid of them. But um, I'm supposed to see some. 
supposed to be I have some, a, a plan to do something at 6 p.m. on 6 p.m. That's an odd time, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if but that's to tickets. accommodate the, the Q&A thing, because I guess it's, you know, the movie itself is you know, an hour and a half-ish, hour 40, and then I guess they wanted to be able to do the $35.50 for you there, John. Yeah, it's not cheap, is it? Nope. Well, mind you, that's at the Young Dundas, so what is it in? It's playing at Mississauga Theater as well as Winston Churchill. Mm. Winston Churchill, let's see. The price is zero. Price free. Take it instantly. Save on your ticket. Oh, thirty-five fifty. Yeah, it's part of part of the um, TIFF. That's TIFF pricing. Thirty-five yeah. dollars. You really, really got. I mean, that's gone up. I can't remember paying that much money for a movie. Yeah. At TIFF. Yeah. But maybe just because of the lack of two tickets, and, and you could buy a copy year. of uh, Mandalorian on four K disc. Yeah, I could. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I saw the Bowie movie last year as part of TIFF, right? At, yeah, at yeah. The uh, Cineplex, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's all but kinds yeah, of good stuff coming out this uh, this year on 4K. They're they're putting out um, a bunch of classic movies coming out this year. Uh, Three Days of the Condor is finally getting a, a 4K mm. release, and yeah, it's just I was going through looking through movies the other day, and was just like, man, there's a lot of good classic movies coming out that are finally getting like that that last upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.